Hello and welcome. Connie Reagan Green here from ConnieReaganGreen.com with another call in the podcast series. I'm thrilled to be with you. It is early on a, well not so early, it is 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning. I am in Santa Barbara this week and I am thrilled to spend this time with you. There is a study guide. If you go to ConnieLoves.me forward slash study guides, so that's plural, ConnieLoves.me forward slash study guides, all lowercase, then at the very top it has the August 2016 study guide. That's the one that we're going to be working from today. So our topic today is multiple streams of income, and I like to be transparent how I do these calls. I've gone back to providing a study guide for each one because I believe it's beneficial. In the early days when I was doing teleseminars and on a lot of other people's teleseminars, when they would provide a study guide, I would always download it and print it out. So I keep these to two pages, and you may want to do the same. I still have my files from seven, eight, nine, ten years ago where I kept these and found them extremely, extremely valuable. Now, today we're talking about multiple streams of income, specifically multiple streams of online income. This is based on a focus guide that you can download at connieloves.me forward slash focus guide, all one word, and it's not case sensitive. And I wrote the focus guide to have a new free giveaway for when people opted into my list and also to share with all of the current members of my list and my community, which includes social media and beyond. And in that report, it was almost 7,000 words. I wrote every word myself. I didn't use PLR. I didn't curate any content. I wrote it because I wrote it from my heart and from my experience, and I thought that was going to be very valuable to you. So let's jump right in, and I want you to think about this question. Are you taking advantage of multiple streams of income? So as I was preparing this study guide, I thought back to all of the years when I was teaching and doing real estate. So I'm going to give you a little history here. I started doing real estate while I was in my 20s. So I became a real estate agent, and then I became a broker. And I decided at age 30, and I won't go into detail because I include information about that in the focus guide, I decided that I wanted to be a classroom teacher. So my intention, I didn't give a whole lot of thought to it, but my intention, it just made sense that once I was teaching, I was in a classroom and being paid as a a new teacher, that I wouldn't do the real estate anymore because I wasn't really satisfied with my life working in real estate. It wasn't it wasn't rewarding. The money the money could be good, but I wanted more than that. And I thought, well, it'll make sense. I'll just let my my broker's license expire and I'll just you know, be a, a teacher full-time. That just made sense to me. Well, during my first year as a classroom teacher, we went on strike. It was in Los Angeles Unified School District, and they started talking about, the union people were talking to us about going on strike, and until the day that they actually decided that we would be on strike, I didn't really think about it so much. So here I was. I woke up one morning, and I was going to school all right, but I was going to school to uh, carry a picket sign, and there were other people going to be inside the school teaching my children and the other 600 or so students in that elementary school. And right then, I saw the fear and the panic from many of the older teachers that said, gee, now we don't have medical insurance. Well, if you go on strike, no one feels bad for you. You've taken a job action 
to not go to your job, whether you believe in the, the strike or not, you can't apply for any type of um, food stamps or welfare benefits, anything. You have, you have no medical insurance. You're kind of out of luck because you've chosen that path. And they were sending in a check then to cover, so they were buying their own insurance for that the, the next month because we were at the very end of the month when we went on strike. And I thought, you know, I think, because I would be on strike walking the picket line until around lunchtime, that I would go over to my real estate office and I would do some real estate business. And I thought, it's probably going to be a smart idea for me not to give up real estate anytime soon. Let's see how this plays out. And over the 20 years that I taught, I did not give up real estate. So I had another stream of income. I also had something else that I had been doing, and I don't really even talk about this very much. With two other people, we had formed just a little company, and we sold computers and parts at the computer shows. If you remember the computer shows of the 80s and into the 90s, because this was you know, toward the late, late 80s that I was doing this, then uh, you would go to a, a computer swap meet, a computer show somewhere, and they were all over the United States anyway, and you could buy computers from people like me, and we would build them or we would buy some that we could sell. They were already intact. This was before the big box stores, before Best Buy and Fry's and all those stores. So we did that for a number of years and because the real estate went up and down. So when real estate was down, I was there selling computers on the weekends, and we did it usually every other weekend. It was pretty busy, though. So during those years, until the big box stores came in and then selling the computers wasn't viable as, a, as an income stream, I actually had those three income streams, real estate, teaching, and the computer business. So as I thought about that, I thought that's always been ingrained in me since I was 30 years old. So it makes sense now when I'm no longer a teacher, when I no longer do real estate for anyone other than myself and family members, it makes sense that I would have multiple streams of online income. So I just wanted to share a little bit of that history with you just to make you think about what you're doing and what your life experience has done for you. Do you always have money just from a job? Is there also a business? Do you have investments of some type? They're all different ways to have income streaming into your bank accounts. All right, so let's, let's talk about this. It's the putting your eggs in several baskets strategy. Because like I said, sometimes real estate was down. Sometimes real estate almost came to a stop. It would just halt because of the economy, because of an election, because of something that was going on. It could be specific to the area. If there was an earthquake in California, if there was a hurricane in Florida, sometimes real estate just stopped and you really could not earn any income from that. So during that time, you want to have eggs in other baskets so that money still is flowing in. Now, another thing to think about is which business models will you start with first? So I'm going to talk about the business models, and this comes from my focus guide. So in the focus guide, hopefully you've downloaded that, and that starts on page three and four. Okay, here we go. Actually, page five. Page five is where I, I start discussing this. So the first one I talk about is affiliate marketing. And affiliate marketing was actually the, the first way that I earned any money because I came online and I didn't have a product. I didn't have an idea for a product. And that was very scary because I thought, well, gee, somebody's going to have to buy something for me to make some money. And I came to that realization, and I know that sounds uh, incredible that I didn't think about that on day one, but I didn't. 
And so affiliate marketing made sense because I was making purchases. I was buying products and programs and courses and things that were very beneficial for the most part. Some of them weren't, and so I never recommended them. But the ones that were, I recommended them in a big way. So affiliate marketing is wonderful. It's still about 40% of my income. I'd have to do the numbers again for for 2016, but it, for last year anyway, it was still at about 40% of what I do. The next one is small business marketing. Now this one I kind of fell into because I was helping a family member start a handyman business, and he had been spending several hundred dollars a month for newspaper ads and magazine placements where they'd let you write a couple of paragraphs about what you did and then they would give you the ad, but they charged you for all of that. And I started helping him. I said, well, gee, I'm, you know, I'm learning how to do things online. Let me set up a WordPress site for you and write some articles and use the keywords like, you know, fix a leaky faucet in your city and let's see if that works. And it did work and it worked very well and within a couple of months he dropped the newspaper and the magazine ads forever. He has never, 10 years, he's never gone back to that. So marketing for small businesses can be lucrative, but it also can be very rewarding to help them make the phone ring. And that's something that you may want to think about, whether it's someone in your family or people in your community that you want to work with. All right, information products. These are digital, downloadable information products. And they've been around, it's been around about 20 years. It's been quite a while since those products started. People like uh, Marlon Sanders were the pioneers in this in, in the mid-90s when I had no clue that individuals were doing business on the Internet. It was very small at that time, and just a select few people really understood the concept to do it. Uh, Marlon had been in advertising. He was, he was an ad man, and he decided to start offering some things uh, for sale, and he was doing it on CompuServe. If you remember, if you had an account way back in the mid-90s, you didn't have a username, you had a user number. And so he was doing some advertising there and selling products uh, digitally way back then. So this is a wonderful way. It's it's ebooks, it's online courses, short reports, audio recordings, videos, webinars. That can be the core of your, your digital information product. And what I like best about them is once you set up the product, it's usually good for a couple of years before you have to go in and make any significant updates or changes or modifications to it. All right, authorship and publishing. This didn't become an income stream for me until 2010 when I published my very first book, which was Huge Profits with a Tiny List, 50 Ways to Use Relationship Marketing to Increase Your Bottom Line. And that was a big deal for me. I blogged that book and then put it together as a book. It's just been redone. I have to upload the, the new file, and uh, it's, it's going to be the updated version of that book. I have to upload it to Amazon so people can access it. But that was a turning point for me because all of a sudden, the idea of being a publisher and an author, it became another income stream, and I saw huge potential. So very quickly, I wrote my second and third books on membership sites and on targeted traffic, and then the following year, I came out with Huge Profits with Affiliate Marketing, and it's just gone on. I just I just released the 14th book, which is Doing What It Takes, The Online Entrepreneur's Blueprint. So, or I'm sorry, The Online Entrepreneur's Playbook. I'm, I'm looking at something that says Blueprint, but it's The Online Entrepreneur's Playbook. So think about this as an income stream. 
Also, there's e-commerce, which is Amazon, Shopify. I jumped into this in the fall of 2013. I was very slow to get started in the beginning. I started with some private label products. I still have those. I've dropped two of the initial private label products that just did not sell well at all. The others are still going, and wholesaling has been huge for me. That's been the area that I really latched on to. And I don't do any retail arbitrage. I'm not a shopper. So wholesaling online and then selling on Amazon is really my very favorite way to bring in income. And it has to be perfected. You have to see what's working and what isn't. But for the most part, you, you're going to turn a profit. The goal is to turn bigger profits in a shorter period of time with that. And that can be a lot of fun. It really can. And you can involve family members, which I like for me and for everyone, because it's nice for the family to see what it is you're doing so it makes sense to them. An e-commerce business makes sense to people because we all know that when we buy something at Target or at Kmart that they purchased it at a wholesale price from a manufacturer or distributor somewhere in the world. They mark it up and sell it to us so they can make a profit and we can actually own the item. So think about it that way. All right, online courses and trainings. That's what I started doing pretty early on, and it's because I was a classroom teacher. So being able to teach people around the world is just a, a blessing and a joy for me. It really is. And I have quite a few uh, courses. I have my really simple series you may be familiar with and just love to do that. All right, I've kind of lumped blogging, niche sites, and membership sites together and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail of these. I have my really simple membership sites course coming up in December of this year. Uh, blogging, very important to get your content out there and recommend something once in a while. That's a good idea. Niche sites, that would be an entire call on its own, and I will do that at some point. All right, mentoring and consulting. You want to decide how, if this is the way you want to go. I didn't do this till I was online two years and making six figures a year from my business before I agreed to help other people with their businesses. So if you start out with this on day one, you may have difficulty getting clients because you haven't built up that credibility and visibility at that point. And also, I only work with about 20 people a year. I can't work with more than that because I need to know them on a, a very personal level to, to help them in the best way possible. This summer I took a road trip. I, I drove 6,300 miles all the way from California to Maryland and back again. And I spent time with 11 different uh, clients, students, mentees, I call them various things. And it was wonderful. That was a very magical time for all of us to have that time together uh, while I was on the road and either in their town or in their home. So, um, you know, decide how many calls you want to have or if you want to do things face-to-face however you want to do it. So those are the multiple streams. And now I'm going to answer some questions. All right. And people, again, are asking for the study guide. ConnieLoves.me forward slash study guides. That's plural and all lowercase. And uh, today we're doing the one for August 2016. All right. So Charlotte has a question. She didn't give me a website. She's over in Greece. So she says uh, she wanted to ask me about the four-step process using private label rights, and she's asking about it. So this is something that I've been uh, recommending the last few days, but it's something that I always do. So the idea is that on the first day when you buy a PLR, a package, that you want to read it, 
and you want to read every word very, very carefully and learn from it. Because I learn about many new things. I remember when Google Hangouts were brand new. That's how I learned. I read PLR about it. Then the next day, you want to repurpose it. And I like to repurpose into blog post. That's the way that I do it initially. Then the third step in this process is to share it far and wide. So that means social media, with your list, just any place where you have a connection with people, share that content. And step four is turning some or all of it into information products, digital information products. So that's that's pretty much the way you do it and keep it simple. And Charlotte says she gets analysis paralysis when she sees all the content. Just take it one bundle at a time. So the one that I've been talking about, it's on website traffic and it's four parts. So I like that very much. I won't give a link because it's time sensitive, but uh, I like that idea. The first part of it was on SEO, search engine optimization. I always learn something new every single time when I think I know everything that could be written about a topic or said about a topic. That's never true. Never true. All right. Carol's site is transferbusinessonline.com, and she asks, how far out do you plan your content for your blog, podcast, courses, etc.? And what do you use to plan? So I use uh, I do it uh, on paper. That's the best way for me. Even though I have a project manager and I have a small team that does everything on spreadsheets, I'm not a spreadsheet person. I wish I were, but I think so much about how to get what I need in a particular box in the spreadsheet that it ruins that process for me. So I let them do that. I try to plan out a quarter in advance. So right now, we are in August of 2016, I'm pretty well planned out through the end of the year. And I even have one thing I've planned for the end of January 2017. Now, I do have some gaps, some holes, some openings, so I can have some flexibility. But for the most part, I want to know what I'm doing a full quarter in advance. And then if somebody contacts me or I have an idea for something that I want to do sooner rather than later, then I will fit it in there. But uh, I'm doing it that way, and I just do it. I, I write. I use big calendars. I use a white erase board, and I do it that way. And I also use small desk calendars to pencil in my ideas, what I'm going to do. All right, and then um, if you plan a written blog post, how long do you wait before using that info as a podcast or short report or anything else. So there's no hard or fast rule. So when I do a podcast like I'm doing right now, I'm doing a live teleseminar that will be repurposed into a podcast within 24 hours via a blog post. So for this series, I have two different podcasts, and I also have two different blogs. For this podcast series, you will see the post appear on August 21st, 2016, on ConnieReaganGreen.com. It'll be written and released that day, and that day it will also go over to iTunes as a podcast. So I hope that answers your question. How far out do you plan your promotions for affiliate uh, promotions? That depends. So I have openings on my calendar. If I know what when something is going to be available, and I typically do because I, I've reached super affiliate status, so people contact me and we have a conversation about what they're going to be releasing and launching and when the best time frame would be. Sometimes there's a conflict. 
I had a huge uh, conflict a couple of months ago that I I had to kind of dance around to make sure everybody got what they needed from me during that seven-day period. But typically, I will know about something two to four weeks in advance, and I'm promoting pretty much the same people. I, I only add a new person to what I do about two times a year. I really don't add a lot of a lot of new new people and products to what I promote because if things work, they will work ongoing. And if it needs time to really be tested, then I want to let that happen as well. Okay, I'm back to the study guide and we're on number three under the Are You Taking Advantage of Multiple Streams of Income on page one. Scheduling time to learn and time to do. So most of us that come online, we love learning. We've spent a lot of time with higher education for the most part, and the idea of learning something new is very exciting for us. We are people that typically sign up for classes at the local community college or adult school. We sign up for things online, and we feel very satisfied from taking a course and completing it and learning something. You have to be careful with that online. It's dangerous for us. So you have to schedule time to learn and time to do. For every one hour that I learn, I want to be doing for at least two hours, at least two hours. So if you remember back to college days, and I don't know if everybody was told this or not, but I was told that for every hour per week that you spent in a class, that you were going to have to study about twice as long. So if the class met for three hours a week, which was very typical, then you would expect to study six hours a week for that class. And that's how they determined that 12 to 18 units per quarter or semester would make sense for most people, depending on if you were working or had family responsibilities or things like that. So online, for every hour that you're learning, listening to a call like this or on a webinar or on a course that you've signed up for, make sure that you're doing, taking massive action for yourself, for your business, for your future, twice as long. So these calls, I try to keep them to 30 to 45 minutes. So remember then that you're going to spend probably an hour and a half or so doing afterwards. All right, what to set up first in your business? That's always going to be your hosted WordPress site. And keep that simple. Just use the free theme in the beginning. Start writing. Start thinking about the people that you will serve. No business is in business without serving someone effectively. All right, then some productivity tips for multiple streams entrepreneurs. You have to make your business a priority in your life. Now, not above family, faith, health, other things like that, but it still is in the top five. It's up there at the top. It's very, very important. So take a look at what you're doing and seeing where you can cut things out. For me, I was watching TV, I don't even remember now how many hours a week, probably I'm going to say 10 to 12 hours a week when I first came online. So I was watching a couple hours of primetime television every evening, recording things and watching them. I decided to stop, to cut it out, not to do it. I thought I needed those hours, and that was really the smartest thing that I did right right then. I thought I couldn't live with, with certain shows, and the truth is I lived without them just fine. <laughs> so part of productivity is really making that time for yourself and also Finding out when your prime time is. When are you the sharpest, the most alert? Right now, this morning, you have me at my prime time. 
between about 6.30 and 11 a.m. any day, that's when I'm just on top of my game. I have the most energy. I, I sleep well, so I'm up. I have a light breakfast, and I'm you know ready to, to meet the world. So that's when you want to do the bulk of your work during your prime time hours. I, lately, I've been, been working, well, not really just lately. During 2016, I've been working on trying to get a second wind in the evening, and pretty much I can do that for at least an hour, sometimes an hour and a half around 8 or 9 p.m., and that's been very exciting for me because then I can add some productive hours to my, my business schedule. So take a look at what you're doing and see when your best hours are and where you can make cuts with time. Also, driving, anything that I'm driving to, I try to put everything on a little path. So I might go to the post office and the grocery store and stop and see someone I need to see and then come home instead of making three separate trips or have other people do some of those things that you don't need to do. So I don't need to go to the post office and I don't need to do grocery shopping. There are other people that can do that very quickly and effectively and inexpensively for you. And I have people now in both both of the cities I live in, Santa Clarita and Santa Barbara, that help me with that. So that's something else to to think about. All right. Let's discuss some concepts about online entrepreneurship. But first, I'm going to see if there are more more live questions here. All right, and I don't see any more questions. All right. Someone somewhere must purchase something for you to earn money. I said earlier how I finally came to that realization. It's so, so, so true. <laughs> so think about that. You know, when you're starting the business, what's for sale? Who's going to buy something and what will that something be? Will it be something of yours? Will it be your time as a coach or mentor? Will it be a product or a course you created? Or will it be something, an affiliate product that you can recommend? All right, and Ron from uh, Ron Tester from Do This, Not That Marketing is saying that's a great tip, spend more time doing than learning. All right, wonderful, thanks for that. All right, so decide, you know, how, how will money exchange hands for you to get some of that money? And that's so, so important. Every day we have to think about that. What's for sale? All right, your blog is your home on the Internet. I've been saying this from the very beginning, 10 years now. You must focus on your site. You must build that up as an authority site. So I have ConnieReaganGreen.com where I host this podcast, and I have HugeProfitsTinyList.com. So that's very, very important. Stay focused and take action every single day, not just once in a while, not when you're inspired. Choose to be inspired every day, and that can happen. So this isn't a business where you can say, well, yeah, I was kind of in a, in a creative funk. I really I couldn't do anything that month. No, that won't work. You know, this is a job. You're the boss. Be a tough boss on yourself. If you have a regular job, and most of us have had a regular job at some point, you didn't have that that privilege of saying, well, you know, can you imagine me in the classroom if I said, you know, this week I just I just wasn't into it. I decided just to take the kids out in the yard, and we sat around, and we talked about our summer vacation. No, 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 that doesn't work. I had to be inspired to actually do the work every single day that I was there, five days a week. So you want to do that for yourself every single day. Share your best writing 
information and resources, the best of which you have, share with other people. I never hold back. I really don't. I, well, I'll take that back. I have some niche sites that I don't share because when I have shared them, they're copied almost immediately. And there's so few changes that I'm just shocked. And people brag to me of what they created by copying what I showed them. And then I say, well, now both of us lose because you know we won't get any traffic to either site and we won't get any sales now. So I do hold back with that, but that's probably uh, not even 5% of my business perhaps. So other than that, you want to share your best writing information and resources with the world. And this might be the most important one. These are all so important, but this one I'm going to say for today is the, the most important one. Choose a niche and one or two income streams today, not three or four or all the way up to eight. That won't work. It'll be too much. I didn't have eight streams of income my first two, three years online. I let those build up over time. Started with with uh, affiliate marketing, then went into kind of simultaneously small business marketing and uh, information products, and then let things grow. And then I had the authorship. Things for the last one I've added is the uh, e-commerce. So do this today, and it should come to you exactly what makes sense for you. All right, what do you need for successful entrepreneurship? A WordPress blog slash site, and it needs to be hosted, not the free ones. Don't go to Blogger, Blogspot, all those. Don't go to uh, Weebly. Uh, don't go to WordPress.com. That's the free version. You really want this to be hosted. This is for your business. You also need a business PayPal account, very easy, very simple, to uh, call or email PayPal. Tell them that you want to switch it over if you have a personal account. I had a personal account in the beginning. I switched it over to a business one, very easy. Then you want to have a content creation, publication, syndication strategy. How will you get that content out there? Will you be doing original writing? I like to do a lot of original writing. I like to write every single day, but I can't possibly write as much as I need. So I'm curating content, uh, I am open to guest posts, and uh, I use private label rights. I, I remember the first time I used PLR on my blog on ConnieReaganGreen.com. And I thought, gee, I, you know, I've never done this, I don't know what to do, and it was on list building. And it was very well written, and I you know, rewrote it a teeny tiny bit and put it out there. Well, people started writing to me and telling me how incredible the post was to the point where it hurt my feelings. I thought, well, what they're saying is they're finally seeing something on my blog that's well-written and, and informative and does everything that it promises in the post. And I decided to not let my feelings be hurt, to get over that very, very quickly, and to be very excited that they were commenting in a positive way. All right, and then... What else do you need for successful entrepreneurship? Something to sell. What's for sale? Ask that question every single day. What do you not need? You don't need a bricks-and-mortar location. You don't have to have a physical location to do this, this business. You can work out of your home. You can work from anywhere in the world where you have an Internet connection. You're at work. You don't need a large financial investment. For most businesses, even for the e-commerce, you have to put thousands of dollars into it so that you can get a return. With the regular online entrepreneurship, you really don't need a large financial investment. You know, I started, I was spending probably about $200 a month in the beginning. That's un unheard of in the world of business. It really is. And you don't need an MBA or other formal education or degrees. It's just not necessary. 
can be helpful, could be an obstacle if you have lots of education and you're used to learning and analyzing more than actually doing. So on the next page, I've included resources. I'm going to read you the quote for uh, this call. Abundance is not something we acquire. It's something we tune into. That was from Wayne Dyer, who passed away uh, just over a year ago now. And I like this because that was the feeling that I had, that finally I had tuned into what was going to work for me and my business, and it spilled over into my personal life. So abundance is not something we acquire. It's something we tune into. All right, let's see if we have other questions. All right, how can you judge when a site is an authority site? Time online, page numbers, or something else? That's a great question. Um, I think that all of us are in the process of becoming the person we're, we're going to be. So on, and I used to do this in the classroom. I used to tell the kids that they'd be very unhappy with the way they did mathematics or um, sports or the way they looked or something. And I said, but you're in the process of becoming the person that you're going to be. And when they understood that, they always felt better and they knew that then the choices they made every day would determine the person that they were in the process of becoming, who they would actually be. Well, it works for adults as well. So we're in the process of becoming the entrepreneur we want to be. So with your with your site, at some point, you'll realize that you've created an authority site. It won't be on a certain day or after a certain number of posts or a certain number of, of traffic visitors or a certain number of opt-ins. It won't be that way. Finally, you'll be perceived in a different way. It will feel like it happened overnight, but then you'll say what I say, I'm an overnight success that took several years to happen, many years actually. <laughs> to happen. So think of it that way. But great, great questions. All right. I've loved spending this time with you. Be sure to download and maybe even print out everything that I'm referring to here. So the study guides are always at connieloves.me forward slash study guides, lowercase plural. And this call was based on the focus guide that I created. It's uh, 21 pages. It's at connieloves.me forward slash focus guide. I'll leave you with the last thing that's something fun I've been doing in the blog posts that are connected to these open calls slash podcasts that I do. It's a surprise link. So today's surprise link is at connieloves.me forward slash surprise. And go there and be surprised. Thanks again for joining me today. I appreciate you. Oh, so much. The moderator has left the conference.